A man become preeminent, he's expected to have enthusiasms. 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 What am I? What draws my admiration? What is that which gives me joy? Baseball. Alrighty, folks, welcome back to the Pohero Podcast. This is Rob DiPietro. You can find me on Twitter at Del Pohero. We are going into the NFBC main event player movement for the weekend with Mr. Todd Whitestone from SPStreamer.com, where we just basically go over Todd's article, reviewing some of the movement in the NFBC, and highlight either a couple of players or some trends in baseball or the bidding trends. And uh, this week we have a special guest. His name is Michael Mager. He is a NFBC veteran. He competes in tons of NFBC formats, including the main event, auction championships, and draft champions. Uh, Mike has come close to winning the main event overall several times. He came in second in one year and th- third in another year. Um, and eighth as well. So highly successful main event player um, and uh, several auction championships um, wins as well. So um, yeah, he's 22nd all time on the NFBC all all time career earnings, um, and he's not on Twitter. You know, he's uh, he's lives a, a nice quiet family life. He loves it that way. Uh, I think that's great. Um, a lot of times I think that's t- probably the best route to go with um, instead of driving yourself crazy on Twitter. But um, it's cool. I like to hear these type of voices of guys that I've met personally and drafted with, played in leagues against with, um, and hear what they have to say um, about the fantasy game. So I um, hope you guys enjoy. All right, folks, welcome back to the Pull Hitter Podcast. This is Rob DiPietro, the Dead Pull Hitter. Going into our little fab review player movement for the, from the weekend, I have my normal cohort with me, Mr. Todd Whitestone. Todd, what's up today? Not too much, Rob. How are you today? I'm fantastic. We have another special guest, which is, I'm liking this every weekend, you know, every week we're going to get, you know, someone to talk to about fantasy baseball. Um, these are like my favorite ones because it's a very solid great player right and he's not on twitter so <laughs> i think i've uh i think i kind of like lead the league in fantasy baseball podcasts with people who are not on twitter and it's <laughs> i think it's kind of like a cool accomplishment i i think i like that leading the league in that but the gentleman that we're speaking to is mr mike mager mike how are you today man i'm doing fantastic rob great to be here hi todd um <laughs> super excited to uh to join you Yes, absolutely. And, um, you know, you, you've had a, uh, a really um, successful journey into the NFBC. Right now, you're 22nd all-time career earnings. I just looked at the leaderboard last night. Um, it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool to see your name up that high. Um, we shared um, main event last year and this year as well. So we got some head-to-head stuff going on there. But um, I just wanted to, you know, find out about your journey, like into baseball, 
um, you know, into fantasy baseball. Some people are, are, are more of the fantasy types are more, you know, recently, um, I think uh, you see more of an influx of like the number guys who just uh, like to, you know, play the game because they found uh, like a mathematical edge or something and they can consistently make some money. Um, and then we have, you know, the true like baseball fans plus fantasy baseball fans. So kind of, you know, tell Todd and I about your, about your baseball history in your life. Sure. Uh, always been a, a big baseball fan. Used to play it as a kid growing up. Uh, I know, Rob, I, I listen to uh, your pod all the time, and I, I know we share this in common. I also grew up um, loving Stratomatic. Uh, I'm a big Stratomatic person, or I was when I was uh, growing up. Uh, predate you, but uh, my, my big formative years with Stratomatic were the, you know, the the Bronx Zoo Yankees, the big red machine. Yes. Yankees uh, Royals <laughs> were big rivalries. Uh, mm -hmm. Yankees Reds, Yankees Dodgers. The, the, the Pirates got in there a little bit, you know, kind of late 70s was when I played it a lot. Um, always been a big sports fan, but, um, uh, you know, actually I probably spent more time uh, playing basketball and watching football than, than baseball, but I've always followed baseball. Um, and a while back I got into fantasy baseball and just absolutely loved it. Uh, just combined, uh, my love of sports statistics, kind of game strategy, uh, the competitiveness of it. Um, never really took to fantasy football or any other fantasy sports, but just, uh, loved fantasy baseball. And as I got more and more into it, uh, I guess my love of baseball grew even bigger. So I'm, I'm Definitely a baseball nut. That's awesome. That's awesome. Did you start off playing in fantasy, like in home leagues, um, or did you go straight into the NFC arena? No, I, I started, yeah, I guess uh, home leagues. We had a league at work. I was playing um, like small uh, dollar. I, I eventually started doing small dollar leagues on like ESPN and, and uh, or CBS, I think it was. And um, I was looking for more competition, a bigger challenge, and um, and came across the NFBC. I think online I read some references to it. I, I checked it out. Uh, this is back, I think, 2011. Uh, I think, yeah, 2011 was when I joined the NFBC uh, for the 2012 season. And just a, a quick story now, I, I do probably way more leagues than I should, including a number of very expensive leagues, but I, I still remember the day where I like hemmed and hard for two days about whether to put up $150 to do my first draft champions league. I mean, that was, <laughs> to me at the time, I mean, 10 years ago, that was crazy. That was like, like, I don't know, like three times at least um, the amount that I ever put onto a single uh, fantasy baseball league. And I, I thought about it for two days before I think I hit the <laughs> hit the button and did my first uh, DC. But the uh, the rest is history, as they say. Yeah, yeah. You've been in uh, NFBC a long time, Mike. And, you know, ever since I've been going to New York for the drafts, you've always been a fixture at the live drafts in New York. Uh, do you like the live drafts uh, much better than doing a, a team online? Oh, much, much better. I am so addicted to the live drafts. I just, I think the NFBC does an awesome job with their live drafts. Um, yeah. It took me a while. I, I you know, I did uh, 
online DCs, I think an OC and a satellite when my first year or two uh, building up. And then I think it was 2014, I did my first main in New York City, uh, loved it. It was just a one day thing. Uh, took the train in, did the main, didn't really know anyone, took the train back, but I still was hooked. And then, you know, you start getting to know people and, right. um, you know, uh, you make friends, uh, you see the same people year after year. Yeah. And um, for all the, you know, all the years I, um, I drafted in New York City, I always wanted to go out to Vegas. Uh, I just kept hearing how great it was. And uh, so one year for Christmas, my wife surprised me with a plane ticket to Vegas. Wow. And um, much to her chagrin, once I went there, I, I can't give it up. <laughs> so now, now I uh, now I, I do both every year, and it's it's I, I always joke with um, with Greg and Tom that uh, it's it's like Christmas in March to me. I, uh, sure. I love the live drafts and uh, can't get enough of them. Right, it's almost like every every live draft day I've been at, I just wished it was like longer, you know, because <laughs> yeah. I mean, you don't get a chance to talk to everyone so much. And then like your brain is like either in pre-draft mode or draft mode at, you know, and then post-draft mode is just, you know, it's like, I always felt like, all right, I need another, like a couple hours to, you know, to keep talking to everyone about fantasy. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think you see that more in, um, in Vegas. Honestly, I think with New York, there's the temptation. A lot of people live close enough to the, to New York city to kind of, just bounce uh, right yeah. in, commute in and stuff. Whereas Vegas, it's a, it's a destination. Everyone's there. So everyone's basically living there for three, four five days. And uh, there's a right. lot more kind of hanging out, partying, drinking, chatting, stuff <laughs> like that. Yeah, yeah. So did you do um, all, all of your um, fab leagues are live or did you do any like main event online at all? Uh, this year? No, I did. I did one 750 OC on online i just wanted to have one oc team but if i have a choice between drafting uh live or online i'll always draft live yeah it's more fun yeah i think that's gonna have to be a rule going forward for sure and i got so mad this year that i i switched i switched my main from you know uh the saturday afternoon to friday night and didn't end up getting back into the saturday noon but ended up playing a second one I, I wanted to show up I was going to play a second one and I did and I was like man I should have just done both of the live ones you know <laughs> uh, and then because that one that we did on Friday night Mike you know like it, it was it was still only like seven of us there maybe and the rest were online because of uh you know they didn't have a chance to fill it all live so that was right. kind of a bummer right, right. yeah when do you get uh to Vegas Rob when when you can the uh the Saturday morning main it's kind of awesome seeing you know seven tables or whatever full of, of yeah, mains was, drafting at the same time it's, it's, it's really unbelievable cool. it's just a, such a great time and uh i'll really appreciate when rob is there too because everybody was coming up to me going hey you're on rob di pietro's podcast he's, <laughs> he's really great and i was like yeah and 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 it was like no but rob's really great tell him and i was like okay but do you anything else you want to say? No, no, that's it. Just tell Robbie's great. So, so I really I walked, wish he, yeah. 
<laughs> wish you you would be there to take these compliments uh, yourself. I walk into the room. The first thing that catches my eye is Todd half asleep at the at the coordinator um, chair that he you know he in New York. He, this is in New York. Yeah, uh, yeah. He he's doing like he's putting all the picks into the what was the first draft that the auction? Uh, it was an auction yeah, draft. Right. It was the auction um, championship, and and I see this guy. He's at the, and. Immediately, everyone was coming up to me. They're all on a second. I said, and Detective Todd, wake the fuck up. <laughs> and he's like, why do you got to bother me for? <laughs> you look like you're going to fall asleep. Yeah, right. Good. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. The 9 a.m. auction is a labor of love to be awake for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so Mike, every time I see you draft, whether it's auction or snake, you always seem very organized, like you've You've always got your, uh, especially the last few rounds when some people seem like they're not 100% sure what they want to do. You always seem like you have a list of targets that you're really hoping to get in the last seven or eight rounds of every draft or the last, maybe the end game of an auction. Is that is that accurate? Do you think you really have a lot of targets late that you're trying to make sure you remember? Um, I guess I'd say I have some and others I'm just, trying to figure out what I need to fill in the pieces based on the, the prior rounds. But I'd, I'd say as much as I, I love the draft and love seeing everyone and stuff like that. I mean, once, once it gets started, I'm kind of really focused and I, mm -hmm. I don't take any picks off and I'm like, you know, just zoning out of the world and concentrating until the last pick is done. Right. Yeah. You look pretty locked in. I sat next to you and uh, I was, I was, you know, observing, and, and you're just very like cool, calm, and when it comes to you, it's uh, pretty much no hesitation. It's a it, it's a pretty quick pick right off the bat. Uh, you sniped me several times this year, um, <laughs> which was you know really a pain. It started off with Polanco, and uh, I was like motherfucker, and then it was Contreras, <laughs> and then it was Bailey Ober, and then I remember it was later in the 20th round 20 something and i picked chad green and you gave me this look you're like oh and i was like for all the guys you sniped me on <laughs> you think you equalized it with chad green i was like not close <laughs> well i will i will say two things robbie it's it's um it, it was necessary payback because uh, <laughs> because one one you started the draft with uh otani at nine and i, I was going to take otani at 10 so you 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 started the oh, uh, the oh, oh okay okay and, um, and um, also the the worst one was if I recall correctly at the six seven turn last year you sniped me on Marcus Simeon and that Ooh. pissed me off for hours I had just I had just taken him in a draft the night before at like seven eight I think and uh, I was all set to take him at seven four and. I, that one stuck in my car because I was all over him and and I was right for a change. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Wow. I um yeah, he was good for me last year. He helped my offense a lot in that in our league, um, for sure. I don't remember uh I I don't wow, that's that's where he went last year. Like I kind of remember that, but you know, doing all yeah, these I, drafts now and you kind of wow, like that was a pretty good range for what he did last year, right? Yes. Yeah, I think he was like going eighth, ninth, like at most of the drafts, and and I was kind of jumping him around or two, and he was going even later in the early drafts. And honestly, the only reason I remember that is just because he was a particular 
target of mine. I, I, I can't remember anyone else on your team and hardly anyone on my team, but yeah. I just remember <laughs> just, that one. I just remember that one. Yeah, really yeah so I wanted to talk about our, um, our league last year because um, we had a nice little uh, run down until the last last uh, week of the season. Um, but I, I, I have the weekly standings from, from last year. And uh, with the exception of week one and two, your team never went below 100 points all year, which is so consistently at the top. Um, and then week 23, you took, I think, a nine, nine and a half, yeah, nine point lead on me. And I just remember kind of thinking in my head that, you know, this might be it, you know, like, but I just remember how much time I dedicated, you know, to, to like, I'm like, just make sure I was looking at every single thing, you know, I feel like all the weeks we were consistently grinding out time and effort, but those last couple of weeks, you know, where, where you have to close, where you're really looking at, you know, Friday to Sunday, like even more or just every single thing you're thinking about every single thing. And um, luckily I was able to pull it out. And then we also had Mark who, who came from like 70 points to like a hundred points in a matter of 10 weeks. That's probably because that's when he started to look at the standings because, you know, he's, <laughs> he's big, he's big on not looking at the standing, but when he actually did start looking at him, he came storming right behind us. But, um, yeah. So what do you remember from the last, you know, uh, last season in, in the main? Yeah. I, um, I, I saw you coming up. Uh, I remember for earlier in the season, someone else, I forget who, was kind of duking it out with me for first place. I remember noticing you making your move. And so I started paying more attention to your team. I honestly, I'm not just saying this. I thought you did a fantastic job managing your team down the end. You deserve to um, to win that league. But uh, it was very, it was very close. I remember, um, I remember like, being willing to like sell a family member for some saves the last like <laughs> week or two. I was like, you know, I, I think in one week I started five or six closures and I, and like everyone was getting saves except those guys or, you know, <laughs> you know, they, they yeah, right. when you all really lined, needed. Yeah. They'd be all lined up and then the team would score an extra couple of runs to take a four run lead going into the ninth, And uh, you know, just that sort of thing. But uh, now you did a fantastic job. I remember, um, I think I think like on a Friday night I, I got back ahead of you and I was like feeling pretty good and then by Saturday night I was miserable again. I think the season was ending on a Sunday, but I remembered uh, like being in the lead on going into the Saturday's games and having a bad day and and you you took over first and then Sunday I almost uh, uh, went apoplectic when like Mark uh, Schreiber, who's just such a fantastic player. Um, gained like three or four points and at some point like in the last hour of games he tied me for second and I was um having a conniption over that unfortunately <laughs> yeah. I fortunately I think I pulled ahead of him by like half a point and yep held on to second but uh I, I think I texted him afterwards like you gotta teach me how to gain four points on the last yeah, really. day of the season <laughs> I, I just don't know how to do it but uh but Mark's a great player uh and he he's just consistently up there in every sure. every league I battled him in and um, so yeah I, I just thought it was a fantastic race I mean some of these leagues it uh, it really comes down to a, you know a, a couple of runs a couple of saves you know it, it's it it anytime you think of relaxing during a course of a season you think of leagues like that where it really comes down to the wire and you you know you just can't uh, you can't leave stats on the table. Sure. 
Yeah, I mean, I tracked the main event leagues, the 43 last year, and there were quite a few leagues where, you know, the last week in, or two weeks, it completely flipped in terms of standings. It wasn't just the league that you guys are talking about. So it is possible you got to keep grinding. Otherwise, you know, uh, you're going to be the one that gets passed for sure. Yeah. No, yeah. I agree. I I make a lot of mistakes over the course of a, a fantasy baseball season, but I, I one thing I don't do is, um, is it's it's never due to inattention or lack of effort. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, I tend to really uh, live these leagues. Right, right. One thing that, you know, um, I think we just kind of find ourselves talking to others about is like, how do you know, you know, if you're like, what's the point of putting in too much or consuming too many things? Is there is there a point for you when you ever maybe take a step back and ask yourself, like, if maybe you're, um, if your eyes are in too many places or like, um, you know, I have to like change my process or be like more efficient. I'm always trying to think of like in my head, like ways I could, you know, uh, spend less time at it, but still like not, you know, make sure I look at everything I want. It's hard. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a constant battle. I think part of my, part of my challenge sometimes is of my own making. I love doing, I love drafting. I love playing fantasy baseball. I love going uh, to New York city and Vegas to draft. And I guess when I, when I make the commitment to uh, travel to both cities and stay over and stuff, I want to draft while I'm there. So I, I sometimes struggle with having too many fab leagues. And I, mm -hmm. I wonder if that impacts my performance at times that maybe I would do a little better if I had fewer teams to manage. Um, right. And then the other thing I, I struggle with every now and then, to, um, to be honest, Rob, is I, I, I tend to get very into my leagues and I really want to do well. I'm, I'm an ultra competitive person, but then I, I also am making a conscious effort not to let how I do impact my like happiness and my life. Yes. Not going, yes. You know, uh, I, yeah. um, I'm, I am very happy with my life and blessed and uh, a lot of good things. I'm not going to let myself get uh, too hung up over uh, where I'm finishing in a fantasy baseball league. So, yeah, but every now and then when you get really into it, you got to take a step back, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So how many, how many fab leagues do you have this year, Mike? Um, I have what I think of as nine big leagues and uh, nine fab leagues. And uh, there's one or two others that I don't honestly spend much time on. Okay. So. Okay. Um, one thing I wanted to, before I forget, but um, when you were talking about, you know, obviously the happiness, um, it's definitely crucial to realize if you're, if you are becoming a different person because the manager's bullpen usage wasn't what you thought it was going to be, you know, <laughs> you, you're going to, you're going to drive yourself to an early heart attack. It is what it is. I mean, it's just, uh, it's, you have to realize that those things are well out of your hands. And, you know, I feel like, the most I get mad where I'm finding myself getting mad the most this year is when the fab runs, I'll be like, Oh, great. You know, I just spent that all that time for nothing. <laughs> or, you know, I, just, I just spent all that time to get, you know, Michael Walker for $7. Like, come on. Like, and I just walk away thinking like, man, <laughs> what did I, you know, what a bunch of like, what, what a waste of time, you know? 
<laughs> and that, that's what I'm struggling with. Like when I, when I pull away from those bids, if I don't like, um, you know, still obviously get guys in my conditional bids, but then you just like walk away and you're like, Oh yeah, all this for, uh, you know, for this. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. No, I, I definitely understand. It's, uh, and Fab so unpredictable too. But, yeah. Um, right. I also, I also tend to, you know, I, I'm sure both of you guys are like me, but like, you know, there's so many decisions you make over the course of a week or a season, and you always remember the ones that were bad right. ones. You know, right. I, I, you know, have a tendency to beat myself up over mistakes and and right. not to put it in context with uh, all the correct decisions I make. So, right. Anyway, that's, that's uh, a good point. Very good point. I, I do. I love the game and I, I'm, I still, you know, trying to find that right balance. Yep. So tell us a little bit about your process. Like, you know, how do you start getting ready for like the next season of drafts? Um, are you like right into first drafts and, you know, as soon as they're available, um, you know, you know, how do you prep for, for the season ahead and, and like, and, you know, the, 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 the preparation change as you're, as you're drafting or is it just consistent? What do you like to do? So I'm definitely a, an early drafter. I love uh, DCs and I've been fortunate enough to do the first DC that's done every year. We actually do it uh, by email. Uh, and I also, the last couple of years, I've done the first Fab League, which starts during the playoffs, the Premature Draftulation League. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're all, uh, I, you know, a bunch of guys, Dan Kenyon in particular is a, uh, a friend and mentor who, um, who I, I think, I think led the charge for a lot of these. Mike Masato's in a bunch of them as well, um, and a bunch of other folks that I'm friends with. I won't name them all here, but um, but so I, I I do draft early, and I, I tend to start my prep early. What I what I like to do is uh, after the season's over, uh, try to put the you know try to relax, watch the playoffs, enjoy the playoffs, and then. I start getting the itch to start getting going again. And uh, so, yeah, I, I kind of start my um, my prep like late October, November. Uh, I try Would to do a little bit, little bit at a time. And so it's not like all in a rush come February, March. Mm-hmm. Right, right. What's your, like, what's your first step toward formulating like, you know, rankings, um, you, you know, how, how do you, how do you find that value overall for your players? And do you like use like a, a skill-based um, rankings or a projection type of model? What do you, um, what's your preferred avenue there? Yeah, I'm, I, I tend to lean more towards the subjective, although trying to work in more projections a little bit, but um, I, I watch a ton of baseball, just an obscene amount. And, um, um, but when I start my prep, I try to identify kind of all the, um, all the fantasy relevant players, I think, for like a 30 round draft. And um, I do what I, I, I don't know, I, I just kind of refer to them as my deep dives. I kind of do a, up a page of notes on every player, just stats, underlying, um, all the underlying metrics, some of the stat cast stuff. Um, and usually like a half a page of notes on each player, what I'm seeing in the, in the trends of, um, you know, their stats and their underlying metrics. And I just kind of have a page on each player. I, I found, and this is, this is just the way I learned with school and professional life is um, I always seem to recall a lot more when I'm 
writing it and reading mm -hmm. it as, well, as mm -hmm. compared to just reading it. So right. I make right. like a page of notes on every player and I, I seem to be able to recall a lot about different players. Just, you know, I, I can't remember to pick up milk on the way home from work when my wife <laughs> asked me to, but I, I, can, I, can, I can remember obscure baseball stats and stuff like that. So anyway, I, I, I kind of dive into the players. I, you know, I knock them off position by position. And, uh, and then when I'm done with that, I kind of rank by position. Mm -hmm. um, and then, uh, and then get into uh, the projections. Um, I, you know, I don't know if we'll, we'll talk about it later, but uh, in, in Vegas for uh, a number of the live events, I, I draft with my good friend, Mark Winoker, and he's, um, he's more of a projections guy and he, they'll run projections and um, auction values and stuff like that. And so I'll, I'll look at those and kind of see where um, my rankings di diverge from the projections and auction values by a significant amount and dive into players again and kind of see whether I think I'm right or the projections are right. And that's kind of the, it's kind of an iterative process. And meanwhile, throughout the winter, I'm drafting, um, I'm in upstate New York where it's frigid during the winter. And so, you know, if I'm stuck on in the house on a cold night, uh, I, I hope I'm, hopefully I'm in a DC at the time to keep me occupied. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. That's great. That's, um, I think that's a good approach. You know, I think, I think that, um, it's every year I just try to learn something new or incorporate something else into, you know, my evaluation, but I like the, I can definitely um, jive with the whole writing down and um, remembering thing. I, I, I was the same way in school. I, I, whatever the teacher said, I wrote down, made notes, like my notes were just uh, made me have to like read the textbook less, but I just remembered everything the teacher said and yeah, uh, you yeah. know, just helped me a lot. Um, but um, yeah. And I feel like it's going away, you know, like trying to write, <laughs> you know, that's why I try to write things as much as I can, but um, you know, because it just stays in your brain a lot. So, better. Mike, yeah. when you um, when you're at, at the point of the draft or one of the drafts, um, let's say one of the live ones, do you have a, a list of players that you're you're heavily targeting, or are you looking uh, for values of guys that you're maybe uh, moderate on, but if they slip, you're happy to take them, or or is it more of a a smaller list that you're just only looking for certain players. Yeah, I um, I I kind of have been the last couple of years. May I've made a focused effort to make sure I'm leaving a draft with a lot more of my guys. You know, the guys mm -hmm. that I really like. Um, but you know, it it's always a challenge to execute, especially in I think snake drafts. You can only control where sure. you know, where you are on you know in the snake and. What other people are doing, but um, what what I found helpful the last couple of years is I I try to um, basically I, I use like paper and pen to draft and I I kind of um, kind of group players into you know the my definite targets the the ones I'll take at a at a good price and the ones I don't want right. and um, I I will not. Uh, in, in recent years, I, I just, I will not draft someone who I have, you know, coded in red, who I just 
don't want it all. Um, you know, I was just going to say, because a lot of people will end up taking that, you know, like, oh, he's so far though. And, you yeah, know, like right. he's fallen yeah. so far. So you're, you're not, um, you're not into that at all. Right. No, but you know what? I, I can't, I can't cast stones because I've, I've done it in the past and I, I still sometimes struggle with maybe I'm, I'm my kind of value drafting tendencies come out too much because sometimes when my, you know, my yellow coated players, my players at a, at a good price, you know, I'll, I'll have them, but then I won't have enough of the guys that I really wanted. So I, it's always a struggle, you know, you, 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 you try to have a plan for every draft. Um, but then you don't, I don't know. I, what I struggle with is I, I want to see what's going on in the draft and be able to have the flexibility to adapt to what's going on in the draft. Right. And uh, so I, I don't want a, a rigid plan. I mean, some people I think have their picks, you know, orchestrated down to, you know, the teen rounds or the twenties and I can't go that far. And I, I just, um, yeah. You know, I have my strong targets and my potential targets, and I try to get as many of my strong targets as I can. Yeah, that's what Andy Reid would do, right? He'd script his first 15 rounds. I think that was his normal, yeah, his so first he, 15 plays he scripts. Uh, yes. Yeah, even if it's, uh, you know, hey, but it's uh, it's third and nine. You're really still going to run this uh, <laughs> halfback dive? I, I, think that's, I think he's from the Bill Walsh family. I think it was Bill Walsh. Uh, yeah, he originally did that, yes. Yeah, with the 49ers. Back, yep. way back when yeah but it's definitely important to be pliable through the draft and um and flexible because um like you said if you're zoned into too much of what you think what would happen you're not really absorbing what's happening in front of you and it could just be adp out of whack and or just you know different guys are going when you would expect it. and then you come to that point where you're like oh but i didn't think mookie bets would be here but he's not on my list you know so i'm not gonna take him or something like that and i think you can kind of handcuff and even if it's uh maybe just a like a play where you really don't think he's as good as uh the round but if it's a guy you just maybe didn't expect to be there you know so like he wasn't in your uh in your vision but you know you got to be able to pick that up in the draft and um quickly try to make you know yeah um, i agree i agree with that yeah yeah. So you mentioned playing with a partner. So tell me how that works for you and uh, Mark and, you know, how, how it started and, you know, how, how you guys like to team up and um, what do you, what do you get? What, what did it help you with? And, you know, like during the week or like, is there anything specifically that you guys like to uh, assign or are you both doing everything? Sure. Um, yeah. I mean, Mark and Mark was in, uh, in some of the DCs with me and we would, chat in the um in the chat room uh way back when when dc's lasted too long and people chatted in the chat room um and then he uh for some reason drafted live in new york city and we met we hung out talked uh, had a good time meeting him and stuff and um and then he reached out to me um asked me if i wanted to um to partner on a team together uh in Ve- in Vegas the next year, and um, I, I had never even thought of uh, contemplated partnering with anyone, but um, but I thought it might be um, interesting, and we talked about it. And you know, of course, it's it's always nice, I think, to have one other person in the world who gives a crap about your fantasy team. You know? <laughs> yeah. My wife doesn't want to hear it. My kids don't want to hear it. No right. one I know really cares. But uh, if you co-own a team with someone, they care. Um, right. 
and then and Mark and I, um, I, I mean, I think he's a great player, um, but we we definitely have different approaches. I'm much more subjective and from a lot of uh, watching of, of games, and he's he's much more comfortable with stats and numbers and projections and mm-hmm. valuations. And um, so we talk things out a lot, and we we have our own solo teams where we we um, do what we want more. But we um, we do a lot of discussions during the off season, kind of prepping together for our our Vegas drafts. And um, you know, I think uh, you know. He, um, you know, he walks me off the ledge when I need it. I try to do the same for him when he needs it. Uh, we're good at, uh, at uh, you know, catching each other. You know, like when we talk about things, I may forget something and he'll, he'll remind me of something and I try to do the same for him. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I think um, it's a good process. I mean, I think um, doing fab, uh, you know, every now and then one of us will kind of, um, need to be reined in or, or pushed up in the bidding. And um, so we do that for each other. Nice. So uh, I, you know, for us, it's, it's, and it's a lot of fun. Uh, I think that more than anything else. Um, I mean, we, we've had uh, some decent success together, uh, but he's also become one of my best friends um, yeah. and yeah, very awesome. close friend. Uh, and we've had a, a great time owning teams together, great time drafting them and, you know, and it's uh, it's like a voyage we go on together for, <laughs> for six months. Yeah, he's a great guy. I really like uh, Mark as a person, and and he's a good player. Um, I think it's great to have a partner, just because, like you said, they catch you uh, with something. You know, you can make a suggestion, and then they can take a look from a different way, and you sort of can reconsider your op- opinion. So I really think it's valuable. Like you said, even if you don't have more than a couple of teams with a partner, you still um, it's still helpful for your entire draft prep to talk to someone else. Yeah, I, I think so. And I mean, uh, it's I think it works for our, our shared teams. And I think it's it's also good having our our solo teams. I mean, I think we our styles mesh well together, even though we come at it differently. We, we tend to like. Uh, we, we tend to be in agreement on, I don't know, 80 to 90% of the player pool. But, you know, there's always some guys he likes a lot that I don't want any part of and vice versa. <laughs> and so we have our solo teams and that's where we where we roster those guys. Sure. I, um, <laughs> you know, um, when we had James Anderson on the show, he said something that I think I'm going to ask everyone who plays with a teammate because it was so fascinating when he said it because it was always on my brain and he said it out loud and I was like wow someone else actually thinks about this but he says because of his you know like um uh non-conflictive like nature like he doesn't want conflict or stress on his plate if there's a player that him and his teammate might be at difference with he just says okay just to you know just for the sake of his his sanity and just for like because he doesn't want to you know worry about it it's just something just like okay fine like you know take that guy is it is that something <laughs> like that ever crosses your mind <laughs> or that you know that actually happened because i think it's fascinating yeah. because that that's what i did experience um with times that i've had a teammate and it's just it's funny it's it's a, it's great to hear it and be like oh, i do the same thing so <laughs> do you experience that at all Oh, sure. Um, I mean, I think, you know, I mean, you got, you have to be realistic. It's, it's two different people, different personalities and 
there's just a million and one decisions that go into a fantasy baseball draft and, and running a team for 26 weeks. And so, you know, certainly there'll be, you know, differences of opinion from time to time. I think when we first started um, doing teams together, I think both of us were, you know, uh, maybe too willing to agree and, um, you know, too um, sympathetic to each other's positions and, mm -hmm. you know, but now after we've been doing it for a while, you know, he's not afraid to tell me my pick is idiotic and, you know, and we, we have a, and we've talked about it too, that, that, you know, we, we can't, we can't hold back. Like we, we owe it to ourselves to, you know, if you really don't like a player say so, or if you yeah, really, right. really want a player, you gotta be more forceful, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. And, the last thing that you want is in like week five, when you're, you know, you just get a text that says, yeah, this guy, you know, over 32, you know, I wish I would have told you I never liked him. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, right. you know, you don't want to experience that. No, no. Yeah, no, I mean, I think it's, there. I, I think both of us are, you know, we're, we're both very competitive, but we're kind of more on the laid back side personally. And so um, I think we, we both, um, we're trying to be as accommodating as possible, but, you know, we've talked about it in our, and, are much more forceful with our opinions, especially as we've, you know, become good friends. Uh, we're not afraid yeah. to do that with each other. Yeah, it's easier once you've been partnered for a while. I mean, with James, I, he does speak up more with, uh, with me now than he did at the beginning. And, uh, you know, I usually, and I told Rob this, I know how to read him a little better uh, than I did at the beginning. So even when he says, yeah, that's, that, let's go with that, I can tell. He doesn't really like that idea. So <laughs> I usually reverse course when I realize that James doesn't like this player or something. <laughs> oh, that's great. Um, Mike, uh, how do you go back into maybe evaluate, you know, your picks from the previous year? Um, you know, is do you go back and kind of look at your list, your personal list or your note that you put together and, and say, you know, what's something I missed on this player or why was I wrong on this player or, or, or for the people or for the players that you weren't in on, you know, maybe saying like, what did I miss here? Is this, is that a process you take through? That's something I'm trying to do more and more every year. I'm so determined for that next thing, like, like yourself, I'm just such an early drafter and, and I just want to like get into the next phase without really maybe, um, you know, looking back enough. Yeah, I guess when, when you figure it out, Rob, I'd love it if you could explain it to me how to do it because I think I need some some help there. I, I I think I look back very on a very at a very high level and I try to look at the mistakes I've made or the things I want to do differently. But at a high level, I don't go back player by player and try to see what I missed. I mean, I think you know maybe um, like I, I heard you on with with Phil, who's just you know and amazing player and he I mean he relies a lot on his his model and his projections and um, so I think for him it's very important to make to optimize what he's doing um, and so he's always looking for ways to improve it and and kudos to him he's obviously doing a lot right um, I I'm much more of a subjective drafter I think and I, I'm wrong about so many players and uh, why I'm wrong is differs and depending on the player, the injury, the team and circumstances. I, I just, I think at a very high level, you know, I, I think I got, I, I 
last year, I remember one of the things I didn't like about my teams was I, I tended to uh, reach too much for speed. I think speed was at a premium and I fell into a trap getting kind of shitty hitters who, who, um, who were very fast instead of really good hitters, you know, just better ball players, I, you know. Um, so that was one of the things, um, I don't know, there were, there were a bunch of things. Usually at the end of the season, I'll try to, you know, um, think about what I want to do differently or better, but I don't, I don't do it on a, a specific player by player basis. And maybe I should, mm -hmm. I think maybe part of me is also um, looking forward too much to turning the page and starting yep. again. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's where my, um, that's where my, you know, focus is just immediately to the next season. Um, and I think a lot of it too is, I know how much time it'll take to really make a firm, like, this is what I did wrong. You know, if, if you don't go on a player by player basis, but there's just so many plays that you might have, you know? <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, I, um, close friend of mine, Steve, Steve Weimer, you know, he's, he's very, very uh, methodical approach to looking back at things last year in, in, in previous years. And he has a log of how he, been you know drafting homers and and an average and and k's and you know he tries to you know keep an eye on that every year to year it's like how how he's finishing in those cat in each category and uh it's just it's just awesome i um it's something i should probably try to do at least but uh, my inability on a spreadsheet or something like that just doesn't lead me to you know try to do those things <laughs> uh but uh maybe it's something that I have to try to uh, dive into a little more, but um, yeah, that, that was actually one of the that was actually one of the things that I wanted to get better at was um, a number for a number of years. Um, I've had a lot of success in um, having high average teams, and that was kind of one of the. It always seemed to me that when a lot of the other players would um, focus so much on homers and and steals that um, I, I tended to try to focus a little more on average. I kind of found it not easy, but easier to kind of accumulate points. And over the last couple of years, especially last year, I kind of got away from that. And I'm trying to get back to that a little bit more this year. That makes sense. Yeah. It's, um, it's, it, it's good to be aware of definitely know your strengths and weaknesses, especially yeah. with drafting, you know, like if it's some people feel like they're, they're better at, you know, um, picking up on which pitchers are, are changing or getting better over the season and might not, you know, spend a lot of draft capital on pitchers and such, mm -hmm. but um, it's good to be aware of it. Sure. Um, in, in, in your NFBC career, Mike, have you um, won an overall or been close to the overall title? Oh, I, I have not won an overall and I, but I, I've been fortunate enough to come close several times and, um, and it's, um, it's it's a lot of fun. The, the the race at the end is just uh, fantastic, and um, obviously it's financially rewarding. Um, but when you fall short, I, I gotta tell you, it's uh, it's frustrating and it, it sticks in your craw. But uh, I was fortunate <laughs> enough to uh, um, my second second year doing the main twenty fifteen. I finished third overall. Wow! Um, and 
and uh, I think it was Glenn Schroeder who won that year. Um, and my team kind of came on at the end. I, I, it wasn't even like that long of a, a race at the end. Um, but then the following year, I came in second overall to uh, Rob Silver. And um, I was, I remember trying to, uh, to catch up to him and then I'd be looking at his team and I'd be like, I'm not catching him. <laughs> I think, I think, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't remember who was on it, but I, I remember thinking at the time that he had one of the best pitching staffs I had ever seen assembled in, uh, in fantasy baseball. And uh, I knew the last week I wasn't catching him. But yeah, mm-hmm. I, I've come in uh, second, third, and eighth overall in the main. Um, wow. With Mark Winokra, I've, I, we, ha- we shared a team that came in 17th. And then I, I've come in second and fourth in the uh, – auction championship and fourth in the draft champions so i've, wow. I've been uh man I've been you're, fort- wow, I've been you're right there have, uh, yeah I've had, good. Some, I've had some good teams but i, I just can't yeah. uh, can't get over the hump i'm like the uh buffalo bills of the nfbc <laughs> that's, that's very impressive though i mean yeah, just really second is. and third in the in the in the main event and back-to-back years too so oh man it's um it's it's crazy because even though second place is still nice, you know, a nice uh, hit for you. The first, you know, obviously first place is so much, you know, better. Yeah. <laughs> but it's just, it's, yeah, it's just like, oh man, did you? It, do you at any point of the year like know when? I mean, I know a lot of people try to keep an eye on the overall and and you know make make a play to win it. Obviously, it's it's a big draw, but. Um, do you at any point like know when your team is not going to and like do you shift, you know, uh, do you have an like have an instance where you shift your focus from like you're, you know, just trying to win your leagues? Um, honestly, it's kind of the reverse for me. I, I go into it trying to win my league and got it, get to the top of my league. And, and then, you know, if I'm, if I'm doing really well in my league and I, I see the, uh, season's season rank number is low enough then I start I'll start looking at that but really not until you know July August at the earliest but um I to me I'm, I'm I focus more on uh, I mean obviously with the the main event so much of the um prize money is tied to the overall I, that's obviously the the goal the dream the wish but um but once you know once I'm done drafting and I'm trying to manage my team I I'm really focused on trying to do well in my league and then if I can do that then I'll start thinking about or worrying about the the overall right that makes sense what's your favorite format Mike is it the auction championship is the main event the draft championships money aside what's the what's the format you you know that you really love playing the most um I I honestly I love them both I I think I the main event has been kind of a an obsession for me coming in, coming uh, close a couple of years. And I think it just gets harder and harder every year. The competition is is so much tougher. So to some extent, it's been a bit of an obsession for me. Um, but honestly, to draft, I love the auction format the most. Um, yeah. To me, it's the, the most fun. You ha- you're in on every player. Um, you're not hamstrung at all by your, your KDS and draft position. And, you know, if you like you know, three second rounders, you can get them or, you know, two first rounders or, 
don't know. I just I I love the the auction format. That that makes sense. I feel like a a lot of uh, people have that choice. Uh, definitely prefer the auction. It's it's fun. Definitely fun. Fun time. So let's talk a little bit about your teams this year, and uh, maybe a little bit about the strategy specifically this year. Um, you know, what were your views on the uh, closers this year in and and starting pitching? Just pitching in general. I think a, a lot of it has been changing to where you know starting pitchers are going more in the top round, and the closers this year kind of entered into that picture as well. Um, did you kind of shift? that strategy to trying to land a top tier closer either in draft champions or main event? Um, I would say, uh, so I, I've always been comfortable taking um, starting pitching early. I, I've probably the last, I don't know, five, six years, I've probably started almost as many drafts with a pitcher as a hitter. Um, oh, wow. And, um, but I, I've always, um, I've always, thought the aces were, you know, head and shoulders, kind of the, the best buys at, um, um, but I, um, no, I, in the draft champions format, I tended to stay away from the really high price closers, probably maybe to my detriment, but I just, I, I thought some of the prices were just, you know, way too high for me for a closer, given the, turnover at the position and the um, just the opportunity cost of, of kind of missing out on a five category hitter or a four category starting pitcher to take a, take a closer that um, will get you saves. But um, in the ratios, you know, it can be very helpful, but, you know, for a much smaller amount of innings. And I, I guess I, I've, I've enjoyed some success in DCs finding late closers. And mm -hmm. so I, I tried to get, um, you know, one secure closer and, and I kind of waited in a lot of DCs and um, took my shots later. Um, mm. and then when it came to the live events, I, um, for the live events, I, I prioritized getting closures a little more. I know some people it's the other way around because, you know, there's no fab. And so people um, prioritized it to an extreme extent in DCs. I, I never had a problem using a bunch of later round picks on um, closer specs and, and mm -hmm. I've done okay with that. But in, in, the, in the fab leagues, I hate spending a ton of fab on closers and closer specs. So I, I did try a little harder to get um, better closers and succeeded in a few leagues and failed miserably in others. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's, that's unfortunately going to happen like all the way around. Uh, right. Yeah, yeah. They've been, um, uh, been a pain. I think it's painful, too, like trying last year. I uh, spent so much time invested into closers in our league, in our shared main event. It, it, it was one category. I think I, over the course of 20 weeks, I gained like, you know, 10, 11 spots. I, like you, like my last couple of weeks i was just starting uh you know six six closers or you know four closers and two maybe like spec guys it was nuts it was wild like like you know that careful line of you know trying to do that math right and saying all right you know if um 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 this this ahead in case and the guy behind me has you know this many this many uh starting pitchers you know like you know 
Yep. You're trying to you're trying to do all that math to see if you can really, you know, try to uh, you know roster and 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 start all those closers. You know, right, right. Oh yeah, you, you know you're sacrificing K's and wins probably. So, yep, it's a fine line. Yep, definite fine line for sure. Um, so yeah, yes. I, I don't I don't think I handled closers all that well this year so far, but still got yeah. four months to go. Yeah, plenty of, time, plenty of time. Yeah, it's hard. It's 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 uh, it's hard to you know. Uh, I think it's just a lot of wasted money on Fab too on them. Just trying to figure out if the guy's going to be the next you know next big thing or just another guy that's seeing a, a spot save. Um, yeah, all that fun stuff. But I was looking at some of your teams and I was wondering, um, just just. Uh, uh, a little dive into how you maybe like to draft your players in terms of diversification. Like, are you willing to draft, you know, a guy on multiple teams um, throughout, you know, the top of the draft, the bottom of the draft? Do you have any specific approach for that? Um, yeah, because I, I do um, a bunch of drafts, uh, higher stakes drafts. I, I do believe in diversification, especially with my early picks or my bigger auction buys, um, and especially with starting pitching, just because you know injuries. Um, so I definitely make a conscious effort to diversify, and I probably try to diversify less with my later picks. But um, I'm going for balance at at the drafts. Um, that's what I I'd like to try to leave a draft feeling like I'm not woefully deficient in any category um, right. or at any position. Um, I mean, the, the game is, um, it's just, it seems so brilliant to play and so challenging. And it's so tough when you're up against 14 other really dedicated quality drafters, not to, not to leave a draft feeling weak at, you know, one or two positions or in one or two stats. And, but I, I try to maintain some semblance of balance as best I can. Right. It's hard to leave a draft as 15 team draft and feel like you really have all the 10 categories covered, you know? Yes. Yeah. And honestly, I don't know if you, if you guys feel the same way or not, but I, I found that I'm actually pretty terrible at predicting which of my teams are better than others. Like I've, I've left drafts loving certain teams and mm -hmm. they'll struggle and some other teams that I may have been a little more ambivalent about turn out to be some of my better teams. I just, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I just listen to fantasy pros. They tell me if my <laughs> I think I was joking around. I know Mike again. You're not on Twitter, which is good for you because you probably live a less stressful life than anyone who's on it. But um, what's 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 great is uh, after the draft, you know, the, you go into the league home and you know you click on that fantasy pros link and it tells you how you did. And I was like 99 A's on everything, and I was right. like jokingly tweeted out like that's it. I won, this you won I won this league, baby. <laughs> but the funny thing is that um, I actually just took a snapshot of, you know, the ones from last year. And most of the teams I did well in, I had good grades in. So, and I know that, I know that thing is going to be really wonky on, on <laughs> more probabilistic, you know, leans toward it's wrong. But I just found it like it was a, a strange coincidence that most of my better graded teams were my better teams throughout funny, the season. So I'm like, you know, everyone's like, oh, yeah, yeah, it doesn't mean anything. But to me personally, I like to see. <laughs> 
to you it means something yes uh yeah definitely for sure um just just to ask you about one um like kind of uh attack on 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 categories um i just noticed on one of your leagues um that you know you have 18 pitching points only so with your ratios are hurting too and wins or k's are low so like how do you how do you approach something like that um like are you like more inclined to just pump, you know, like the ratios and just try to load up on wins and K's? Like how, how would you try to, you know, like move the needle and pitching points in that league? Yeah, I think, well, so that's the, um, I think that's the ultimate, uh, yeah, where my pitching is just pathetic. Um, yeah, I, um, so fortunately for that league, it's, um, it's not part of an overall. So, I do have that flexibility where I'm, I, I don't even have to worry or think about an overall. I'm just trying right. to maximize my position in the league. I think um, at some point I might have to make a choice whether to um, really focus on improving my ratios or punting the ratios and going for wins and keys. Um, and I, you know, you, you don't want to wait too long to decide that, but, right. uh, but by the same token, it's, it's still May. And I think, um, I mean, I, I look at part of the reason that pitching staff is struggling. I, I, um, I, I started that draft with uh, Jay Ram and Timmy Anderson. Uh, and then um, I drafted Zach Wheeler, Trevor Rogers and Ryan Presley. And uh, so Wheeler had a delayed start and then he was terrible to begin with, but now lately he's improving. Yeah. Presley missed a lot of time, hasn't given me much in the way of saves or ratio help, but hopefully he's healthy now. And I don't know what the hell is wrong with Trevor Rogers. Um, I'm just, I guess I'm thankful that this is my only share of him on a big team, but I, I really liked him going into this season. I wasn't yeah. getting him anywhere. And um, so, I, you know, partly because I really liked him. It was, it was my last, uh, last big draft of the year, I, uh, I wanted uh, a share of him. And uh, uh -huh. I just, I thought, um, I thought he looked fantastic last year. If I recall correctly, you know, he, he, his stats were really good. His underlying metrics fully supported his performance, at least yes. from what I, what I could tell. He, he missed time for not due to injury, but to a family yep. emergency or family situation. So his, his, overall stats were, um, you know, appeared somewhat distressed in terms of, you know, number of keys and wins. Um, but I thought everything underlying was great. I loved the park. I thought Miami would be uh, an improved team um, that also has done a great job developing starting pitching. So I was kind of hopeful he would take the next step forward. And instead it's, it, at least so far, he's taken a real step back. Um, mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm, definitely struggling and and also i i mean i've made some bad decisions with fab and and yeah and lineup decisions um that uh, i regret but um yeah that that pitching staff is underperforming unfortunately I, I mean i have a pretty good hitting team there so if i can you know if i can get these three guys uh going i think they'll they'll help a lot and i i think this is um i'm just looking one second at my draft i think this is one of my one of my, yeah, it's one of my Shane Baz teams. Um, that's a guy I liked <laughs> yes. a lot. I, sure. um, I saw I, him on a lot of your rosters. I was, yeah, I wanted yeah. to ask you about him. Yeah. 
Yeah, I just, I, uh, you know, he was, um, he was kind of like McClanahan to me where, um, you know, you, you, you looked at him and once you, once you watched him pitch, he's like, boy, I want some of that. Um, yeah, he yeah, just yeah. looked so damn impressive on another team that knows what it's doing, developing, starting pitching. And I, I looked into him and he, um, you know, he had, um, he had some loose bodies in his elbow. They, uh, they had a mi very minor surgery to remove him. They said everything looked great. Um, and, you know, I thought, I mean, he's been out. I, I didn't expect him to go on the 60 day. I thought I'd get him back by mid-May instead of like, you know, second week in June. But um, I thought given the, um, the discount, he was a, a nice upside play. Mm -hmm. And I, I usually allow myself one stash per team, or I, I mm -hmm. try to limit myself to one stash per team. And that was a guy I, I liked a lot just because I, you know, uh, in prior years, I found pitching so challenging. I mean, I didn't realize that this would be the year Martin Perez would be a Cy Young candidate. But, um, <laughs> but I, uh, um, I really like Shane Baz. So, uh, you know, hopefully if, uh, if Wheeler and Trevor Rogers can uh, come around and I get Baz in uh, early June, maybe I can. Uh, yeah, you know, that doesn't seem, it doesn't seem like such a bad situation to me. No, I mean, I, I, some of the, some of the, uh, I, you know, I also drafted like Huasca, you know, her, who's been a complete bust. I cut him and uh, haven't, having had too much success in fabbing pitchers, at least in that league. Mm -hmm. So definitely, uh, definitely it's, uh, you know, a, a lot of it's my fault, but uh, it's still, like I said, it's May. I'm going to give myself another probably uh, six weeks and, uh, Usually by the uh, the end of June, beginning of July, I like to kind of take stock on my teams, see where I am in the standings, and kind of figure out what I'm doing the next half. So uh, mm -hmm. for now, I'm just gonna you know try to improve in all my pitching categories and hopefully make some progress. And if I don't know, I'll, I'll have some tougher decisions to make. Right. Um, yeah, Trevor Rogers is. Uh, I don't have him on any teams this year, but I had him on a lot of teams last year. And um, it seems like the last time I looked at him that his changeup just wasn't being yes. um, placed uh, where he was placing last year. It was really up in the zone as compared to last year. Um, and if it wasn't in the middle of the zone, it was out of the zone where he was just completely off and not getting guys to even chase it um, or swing through it. Yeah, the swinging strike rate on it is uh, down 10%. The whiff right. to swing is, is is down, but also like the launch angle of the balls being hit off his changeup, everything changed to um to uh you know it's being lifted more. So it's, uh, the, he's definitely I think it's just a location thing, and it it'll play off of uh you know Could be. yeah yeah you know who knows you know but I heard uh, Rob I heard a rumor uh, not unconfirmed that whoa uh, that Todd thought... here's a rumor that's uh. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really, uh, you can really bank on these things that I hear, um, <laughs> that he might have been tipping his pitches, especially his changeup. Hmm. So, uh, you know, it, you, could, you could see how if a batter knows his changeup is coming, if it's over the plate, you, you know, you could really hammer it. And if, and if it's really out of the zone, you're not going to be swing at it. So hmm. now I don't know if that's really true, but I would sort of make sense that I don't know that he completely changed as a pitcher over the last, uh, you know, 12 months, but 
Um, that would make some sense to me. Maybe he's doing something that the batters picked up that this is a certain way he looks before he delivers a changeup. Right, right. But that still shouldn't affect where he's throwing it in the zone, you know. Um, yeah, yeah. His performance on his end is, is definitely different on the pitch. But, yeah, definitely. Maybe they um, tapped into the pitch comp, you know which uh, <laughs> probably going to be the next, you know, yes. sign stealing is. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah. They said they're throwing a fastball. Okay. Okay. I got it. okay. Here, here we go. <laughs> uh, I mean, cause that's probably going to happen. Right. Um, but uh, uh, Mike, I saw on a lot of your teams too, you picked up Juan Yepes. Did you like him um, in his overall profile or were you just like looking for some offense in your leagues? Uh, a little of both. I found myself uh, feeling like I was um, a little weak in power. I, I liked him. I liked the way he looked uh, his first uh, close to a week in terms of his, the quality of his at-bats. I was impressed that the Cardinals brought him up so early that they brought him up, you know, before Gorman. They stuck him in uh, the middle of the lineup and were playing him every day. And I just seemed like that, that – that would be a bat that, um, you know, could possibly be helpful for the rest of the season. And um, so I definitely prioritized him. I felt like, um, uh, you know, on some of my other teams, I'm doing uh, better in pitching and I wanted to, it seems a, a little easier streaming pitchers this year, or mm -hmm. at least for some people, maybe, maybe not me, but um, so I decided to put more of my focus on, uh, of fab and hitting and he seemed like a, a good buy so i I'm, I'm hoping that when i get to the coliseum i get a thumbs up on that one todd because um, <laughs> I, I, I because i know i'm getting a thumbs down on my uh my uh miranda shares so okay yeah that does it's not looking too good right now let's put it that way <laughs> uh um Mike, a couple more questions about some in-season stuff before we move on to Todd's article. I wanted to know how you like to compose your bench in, in league. You know, we have seven, seven spots to have reserves. Um, are you not afraid to stash? Do you like, um, is it equal pitching, equal bats? How do you like to lay it out? Um, I, I don't have any like, Firm and hard rules, but I, I would say the majority of my teams, I either have uh, four, three or four bench hitters and three or four bench pitchers. Um, I like, I, I feel more comfortable going into a week having um, the ability to replace any hitter except for a catcher. So mm -hmm. I, I like to start a week knowing I have two first base eligible players, two second base, two, you know, third and short and six or seven outfielders between injuries and playing the matchups and now also, you know, frequent COVID absences, you know, I'm trying to maximize at bats. So I, um, I, I like to have, you know, kind of that type of coverage, um, you know, for teams where I, I may have uh, less than two closers, I'll, I'll try to have a, a spec or two that I might be trying out, but, um, I think the better play, the, the one that I'm trying to do more of is um, is trying to hoard starting pitching. I, um, you know, I've heard on your pod, Rob, and and others as well, and I I agree with it that I think as the the weather warms up and maybe 
Uh, who knows if MLB, what they do with the ball. But I, I think hitting is going to be back up after a really cold April. And mm-hmm. I think um, I, I don't think it's going to be as easy to stream pitchers going forward. And I, I'm trying to um, be very judicial in the pitchers I drop and where I have a chance to get a pitcher with some legs. I'm trying to do that. Yeah, that's the move, I think, right now. I think the, the offense is going to pick up, and I'm, I'm hoping that my the guys I'm counting on for that offense, that they can kind of make up for uh, maybe me trying to fill in a little less, um, a little less not worried about moving from three games played to four games played on Monday to Thursday, you know, on some, yeah. on some players, just like trying to escape not get too caught up with that um, and just trying to, uh, you know, pound, pound the pitching right now. Cause I I've heard on several podcasts that, you know, load up on innings. Um, and then when the offense comes back, trying to plug in the relievers to protect ratios, I wanted to get your guys thoughts on that because I just think like not necessarily have, you don't have to necessarily go to the receipt, the relievers to protect the ratios. Right. You're just now more, are able to pick your spots with the better starts from your, you know, from your starters and not have to, well, you know, you don't have to go that extra mile of um, throwing in, you know, an extra start because uh, just to compile, you know, you can kind of reel back on that. But what do you guys thought on that? Yeah, I would say uh, for me, I do like to keep my ratios as best as I can all year and, and like you said, avoid the two-step from the, you know, weaker pitcher, uh, if I can avoid it, not chase that so much, even, even early, you know. Uh, so I would, I would agree with that. Uh, but I do like what Mike is saying about uh, having extra pitchers on the bench so that, that are quality that you're really confident in because then you will have choices later on in the season. And that's really the most important thing. Yeah, and also I, I think, it, and we probably all experienced it. I mean, it, as challenging as it is at times, I, I, I do think it's a little easier to find saves later in the season. I mean, right. Maybe, maybe some teams are, are, aren't even going after saves at that point, and maybe a few teams have, have kind of given up or shifted to football. And I, I don't know. I think you can – I'm trying not to panic on teams that aren't – well positioned in saves that there's a lot of season left and you know if I have to go multiple relievers at the end I'll I'll do that but um I I don't want to miss out on good starts good good yeah. matchups and yeah right absolutely you know, if, I, if, you can, if you can build a lead in in wins and k's uh it gives you a lot of flexibility yeah for sure it's um it's it's not easy to do uh you know but you know, just uh, you got to hope if you're investing that capital that you can get there at a, at a comfortable spot um, to, you know, to uh, to do that. Um, then you could just lose one pitcher and, and you know, that could uh, get foiled really, really quickly. Um, all right. Let's talk about uh, let's talk about Todd's article. We'll talk about some some sure. of the fab players, some of the environment that's going on, Mike and. Whenever you feel free, you want to just make a comment on a player or bring a player up or anything, just, you know, feel free to pop in there and, uh, and say it out, but go ahead, Todd, bring us into it. 
So uh, yeah, this week I wrote about um, uh, RBIs as a focus category. I didn't know you were an NSYNC guy, by the way. I just have to say, I'm glad, you know, I, I didn't know if you were NSYNC or Backstreet Boys because it's, it's a big conversation to have. It's, it's, it's a tough decision for any person, I would say. Um, but uh, anyway, I, I think, I think with- NSYNC gets the edge because of Justin Timberlake. I think he's just a little more, he's, he's really talented. Yeah, he, he can go so many different directions. All right, sorry, again, yeah, no, I'm just talking, you know, <laughs> anyway, I get caught up in the boy band, you know, debate. Yep, yep, yep. So I did go over the environment as I've been trying to do each week. And uh, first on the hitting side, the runs per game is up a little bit, as Mike was alluding to, 4.18 now in 2022, still way below four, the 4.53 of last year but a little bit more healthy and home runs is back towards 9.97 per game, which it was, uh, I think 0.95 last week. So a little better. And the average for all of major league baseball is 236. And it was, I think 234 last, um, last week and it was 244 of last year. So it's a, things are a little higher. I'm not convinced it's going to snap all the way back, but, Certainly, the hitting environment is a little stronger than it was before. Um, yeah, one thing I med- caught. Yeah, one thing I caught. I just wanted to throw out there last sure. um, last week's batting average across the league was two forty eight, um, which you know definitely a good boost. But the 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 K to walk last week was twenty two percent to seven point six percent walk. Last mm-hmm. year, over every single week, the lowest. K week was 21.9%. So it was like right there um, at that lowest market was last year. And the lowest week for walks was 7.9. So the 7.6 last week was um, the lowest um, right. walk percentage um, from last year to this year. So it's just uh, interesting. And yesterday teams batted 253. I know it's just one day, but mm-hmm. um, you know, it's uh, definitely things are changing things are changing but the strokes and the the strikeouts and walks thing is is pretty interesting you know to note. yeah i did i did show that in the Mm -hmm. pitching chart um rob you know strikeouts recorded is 8.36 per game and it did drop uh from last week even and it's way below 8.68 of last year and walks allowed is dropping a little further as you mentioned it's now 3.16 per game versus 3.25 last year so the ball, it seems like hitters are going more for contact. They're putting the ball in play a little bit more than they were last year, less walks, less strikeouts. And, um, you know, I just, I feel like that's a positive, but still, um, still the overall environment has been lower than it was before. Maybe pitchers are uh, less afraid to challenge hitters with this ball, but maybe, yeah. maybe that's why the walks are down a little bit. Yeah, maybe they're, they're coming in the zone a little bit more. Um, and I think it's helped because there's less relievers on the roster right now. So uh, pitchers are in there a little bit longer than they were in April. Um, but anyway, I did go over the RBI category and I just tried to establish where would the 80% target be and the 80% for those that uh, haven't looked at it recently is usually if you're 80% in all 10 categories in the main event, you're usually somewhere on the top 20 leaderboard. Um, so for runs batted in, uh, 
right now would be 245 RBIs and it would straight line out to 968, which is a healthy amount below last year, which was, I believe, 1041. And two, uh, three years ago, because I'm skipping 2020 because it was a short season, it was like 1105. So it's way below 2019. So you don't need as many RBIs, which I guess is the good news. Uh, the bad news is that they're harder to come by. Um, so maybe your total looks a little bit more anemic at this time of the year, but certainly um, it's, it's a little, you need less big boppers to get to the number. Where do you guys stand in your RBI counts right now and in, in some of your league? Are you guys close to that number? Uh, for me, look- go ahead, Mike, go ahead. Oh no! I well, I got too many damn teams. It looks like uh, <laughs> I got um. In, so in that ultimate, I I have two fifty eight in RBI, okay. So I'm, I'm ahead of that. But in my in my diamond, my pitching's better than my hitting, and uh, I'm only at two twenty one in RBI. So definitely have okay. some some work to do there. Yeah, yeah. I, I have uh, in the two two mains uh, I have with James. We're one is do, like you doing well in the two fifties, and one is 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 low. I forget exactly where, but it's it, it's in the low two hundreds. Rob, what about you? Where are you at for RBIs? In my main, two forty eight and two sixty. That's nice. very good. You're right on the number then. I'm trying. I'm trying to be on all the numbers that you're calling out every week, Todd. <laughs> That's my goal. All right. That's I'm trying name. to guess which category that you're going to do next week and, and, and just be like, all right, let's on this week, I'm going to work on this category because I, I have to be on Todd's good list. <laughs> well, you know, it's, uh, it's on DraftKings now. What, which category will he do next? So if you want to bet on that, you can. Yeah, I mean, that, why not? You know, I, I think <laughs> where were we? I don't know where I was discussing this um, with, oh, man. I don't know which draft it was. I was doing a draft. I think it was. Um, I think I. I think it was an auction DC, um, and we zoomed. It was. It was a couple of us who zoomed up to do the. Uh, you know, because we were in the draft, so we just wanted to talk and 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 we were kind of guessing. Like, at one point, we were like, "Oh, this guy's this guy's gonna get this guy for thirty-seven bucks," you know. And I was like, "Man, wouldn't that be cool if that just popped up in the chat, right?" You know, guess guess how much this player is gonna go for. <laughs> oh man, there's just so many things that could pop up with fantasy that could sure, be really, sure. uh, yeah, yeah. Um, obviously, it, it wouldn't have to be anyone in the draft because obviously they could, you know, you know, just skew that and 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 pick that, you know, amount. But it have to be it yeah. have to be outsiders that weren't in the draft. But it could work. Anyway, my stupid ideas can just be ignored. Your new market, your new market for uh, the sports books, yeah. Um, and FPC draft hounds. Yeah, really. <laughs> so I did also list the top twenty players in RBIs as of uh, it was as of Sunday morning, um, and Jose Ramirez uh, was the number one guy. Uh, he's having a great year um, again. He's drafted very high, so that's. I guess to be somewhat expected, but he's still very good. Um, and then uh, Rob's boy Pete Alonso is second. Big uh, me, 30, Pete. The 36 <laughs> RBIs right behind. And then Giancarlo Stanton at that point was 35. So those three were sort of a little separated from the rest of the pack 37, 36, 35 RBIs. Um, 
And then uh, I, I won't go through all the other players, but in terms of the real bargains, Rowdy Telez sort of stood out to me. He was in the draft in the 300s and he's uh, had 32 RBIs at that point. And then there were other over 100 ADP guys, CJ Crone, um, Justin Turner, which I, I was surprised at. I hadn't really realized he was doing that well. This is, that was the guy I wanted to mention. I'm sorry, Todd, but when I was looking ahead, at that sorry. list, you know, when I was looking at this list, Justin Turner caught my eye because I'm like, wait a minute, you know, he, he's he's only got four homers, you know, his his ISO is what 157, you know, he's not a guy that he batted in 207, he's not a guy that came. I have him on a couple of teams, and I, I've been up to date on how he's been, right. um, and when I, <laughs> this is a funny thing. There's another thing to add to like things I'm normally not aware of right is like a guy's overall season stats and we're always worrying about what's this guy going to do in fab next week or what has he been doing the last 14 weeks and we i kind of not you know i i kind of gravitate from not looking at oh who's leading the league in runs who's leading the league in rbi that's why i like like looking at these lists it's a like a motivation to go look and and check and check it out and dive deeper and Justin Turner was one that said, wow, I didn't know he had that many RBIs because yeah, he had to have been hitting well. Yeah. yeah. So two so two quick things about that. One is, it, I guess it proves that hitting behind Betch Freeman and Trey Turner helped. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> that's sure. so, so that, a good that's spot. Awesome. It's a good spot. Yeah. But uh, getting to what you were saying, Rob, I mean, I was just um, talking to Mark Winoker about one. He mentioned one player that's on his team who is doing, I forget, either really well or really poorly. And I had no clue because it, it it's so funny how during the course of a season, you you know intimately well how the guys are doing on your teams or at least yep. your big teams. But there's a whole like group of players who you, you didn't draft for whatever reason. And sometimes you just, you know, until the end of the season, I find, I don't even realize how great or horrible some of these guys' seasons exactly. are. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's why I like doing these top 20 lists just because it shows me who the real – drivers are of the um, category and the, usually the players doing really well in these categories the, the fantasy owners doing well in these categories have a bunch of guys in the top 20 maybe three four of them um, so uh, and the other guys to mention over pick 100 were Ty France who only has six homers but he's really driving them in um, he's got 28 RBIs at that point and then Jared Walsh and Adelise Garcia uh, had 26 and 25. And then uh, Anthony Rizzo, I think most people are aware of, but he he was had an ADP of 181, so he's really outperformed that. Yeah, Rizzo's been really good all year long. Yeah. I, I, I think he's, you know, going back to the Yankees helped and uh, just being able to stay, stay healthy. Um, you know, he, he's... Who, who was a guy that I think every time he came around um, at his draft spot, I was just, man, I don't think he should be here. I think he should be a little higher, you know, right. and um, just didn't get enough of it because, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, yeah, I, but uh, solid. I only got one big share of him. But it's in my auction team that's doing well, and he just homered today. Yes, um, he did. I, yeah. But um, but he's only hitting like 233. So it's, it's kind of funny. Some of the, you know, you think someone in the, league leaders for RBIs would have at least a 250 average, but not in today's game, I guess. Yeah, yeah he, started, right? he started out really hot, and then he's had a little slump, but I, I still 
can count. I think I can count on him for uh, a good solid season all the way around. Maybe not huge amounts of homers, but a good solid season. Absolutely. All right. What do we got so next, next on in this list? Was uh, the leading uh, Fab uh, ads for the week? Yes. The main events. And no surprise to both of you, I'm sure, that Nolan Gorman was the number one ad. He was added in 46 of the 47 main events because I, he was held in one main event league. Um, the highest winning bid was 482. And the lowest winning bid, which is pretty impressive, was 101. So nobody got him for under 100. Wow. Um, so that was pretty impressive and yeah that's definitely impressive is yeah i mean i i i was expecting him to go for fairly high numbers but i didn't i wouldn't have guessed this no these numbers yeah even absolutely still. i i i didn't think i didn't think it was going to be um that high as well i thought it was going to be a little lower um like the the uh, median winning bid was 258 the median runner-up was 177 um, yeah. I thought it was going to fall more like, you know, uh, 150-ish median yeah, winning bid. True. But uh, that's, I, um, you know, I, I think I think what we get into play, too, is a lot of times is not only the fact that he was hitting the cover off the ball in the minor leagues, but that Yepes got off to a great start uh -huh. as well. So a lot of times, and not saying it's not going to happen, that he, you know, won't hit as well. But a lot of times it'll happen to be like, you know, that recency bias of this, you know, how good Epez is done. Same team, right? Same thing. He got called up. He's going to be an offensive force. It's like, oh, it's a lock. It's going to happen with him too, you know? Um, yep. I feel like that has a lot to uh, to do with the um, the amount, you know, that they go for. I think the I other thing that, that's at work usually is the week after there's a big uh, free agent ad like George Kirby, the people that did not get Kirby – sort of are determined to get the next big mm. ad or you know I, I maybe maybe it's a little overstated but i think that they really want to get the next guy they don't want to wait until june 20th or whatever so um i think that drives it a little bit um until people are sort of out of bullets um anyway. i like that what do you want to name that todd what, what do you phrase that like the hangover bid <laughs> <laughs> like uh like the not getting a player hangover bid yeah, or the, the or, uh, or the, the double um, down the double down yeah yeah the, the mad at losing a player last week's yeah. over bid yeah like uh, mike mager got george kirby and i'm really angry so i'm gonna you know <laughs> uh, I, I, think it's like, I think it's funny too how much um I mean, it's like a it's a 162 game season, and everyone knows it's such a long haul. Um, but you know what what a player does on a Saturday and Sunday before a Fab has such an impact on oh, the yeah. players. Right. I mean, he he looked really good. At, you know, you I wonder if he went one for ten in his first three games. You know, where would the prices have been? Um, right. I mean, it's well, the same player, but you know. I, and I, I'm sure you guys have experienced it where you, you kind of like someone really like kind of under the weather, under the radar and you right. really like, oh, I want to get this guy this week. And then 
Sunday he hits two home runs, or, <laughs> you know, or he, you know, he does something yeah. to a pitcher and drives the price up and you're like cursing all day. Yeah, it's terrible. Well, th- there was an example of that this week, Mike, mm-hmm. because uh, Matthew Liber- Libertor, um, you know, I, I don't think he was going to go for the $300 level anyway, but um, he had a sort of a rocky first start and he was a rookie. And I think if he had gone out and pitched six shutout innings with 10 strikeouts, I think he would have been over 200s in most cases. Um, so I think it still holds, you know, if people get that, I, Rob and I were talking last week, you know, the two things that drive it are the homers and the steals, especially if they get them together, or of course, if somebody gets a save that nobody expected. Um, th- those two things can really drive up the free agent bidding. Um, but yeah. anyway, I, I don't know, if, Rob, if you want me to read all these uh, these these top players off. But is there anybody you guys want to discuss further on that's on the top acquisition list? Um, yeah, Mike, what do you think? Is there anyone you want that that you specific? I have some some guys in mind, but but uh, if there's anyone you want to bring up, go ahead. Um, yeah, I mean, I I think um, a couple of the pitchers that. Um, you know, either, you know, weren't drafted or were drafted pretty low. Um, like Johnny Cueto and, and Brady Singer had like really impressive starts. Um, right. I thought, and, um, you know, they both uh, looked attractive. I had some, some, you know, moderate bids on both. And I, I, I think I got a couple of Cueto and maybe one Singer um, shares and, and we'll see how they do. But I, I, I thought both of them look, have, are, um, put up strong, strong starts. Yep. Yeah, they definitely did. I, I was, uh, was happy. I picked up Springer last week. Um, Singer. Singer. Was that? You said Springer, but I don't think you didn't, you didn't, you didn't pick up George Springer. You picked up Brady Singer. Brady Singer. Yeah. I thought I said that. Oh, my bad. Yeah. Brady Singer. (laughs) I did pick up George Springer in my head. Yeah. But uh, yeah, Brady Singer. I did pick him up last week for cheap, but not in both leagues. Um, Because in one of my mains, I had like really a lot of pitching as is. And even though I was trying to stockpile it, I just didn't have a uh, a spot for it. I had some other need. I needed um, an offense. And then I put on 64-ish for him. Uh, I get him in that league again, but um, it, it, it didn't work out lost out but yeah definitely looks like you know he he's got the pedigree um he he wasn't that bad last year and and he i think he's trying to throw in a, a change up right now if he can get a if he can get a consistent third pitch he's definitely going to be um solid there's definitely things to worry about there um as as many smart analysts have pointed out that the royals are not great at developing pitching and such um but you know I don't think we have to X the world of him to be a good, you know, fifth, sixth starter, no, seventh no. starter on your team, you know, um, just has to maybe be like a low four ERA K per nine kind of guy with a little bit more, if you can, if you could reach back. So, uh, you know, I think that's definitely an interesting um, ad, but yeah, he was, he was picked up in 27 leagues for 200 uh, max of 207. Um, pretty, pretty healthy bids on him this week. Yep. Um, what did you guys think about um, Matt Barnes coming back into the fold for the Boston Red Sox? I thought this one was interesting. It was uh, also, I think he picked up a save on Saturday and uh, he entered 
the pitcher again for the Red Sox. Um, are you guys buying that? He can be the guy going forward. He threw a tick and a half faster in that game than he had all season long. Um, I mean, I kind of think that Cora wants him to go back into the role. Um, it's just the question is, you know, will he pitch back-to-backs? Will he get them all? Um, or will they just continue to play matchups? Yeah, he's um, he's been real uh, disappointing this year. I, um, I I actually drafted him on two different teams. I thought he, you know, they I, I thought they wanted him for the role. I thought he was going to have the first chance at it, and he, and he did. He just, well, he got, I think, a delay to the season with some injury, and then he was mm-hmm. just god-awful every time. And I, um, I dropped him where I had him, um, and I confess I put in some very small bids on him, and I, I won him in, in the ultimate, and I have him benched because I'm not fully trusting yet, but if he, if he, if he has like another week or two that, um, uh, that he looks good, then I will, uh, I'll have a cheap closer. Yeah, yeah. Yep. I think, Rob, I think you're right. I think the Red Sox do want him to be the closer, so that is working in his favor. So maybe if he wasn't 100% healthy and now he is, maybe uh, he can take over the job. I was a little leery myself just because of the struggles he's had. Um, but anyway, it could work out. Sure. They, they need somebody. Yeah. They, they definitely need somebody. That's, that's <laughs> for sure. Because uh, it just hasn't worked out. I know they, um, you know, I think um, I was surprised that, that, that they went to back to Robles and the, the game, the game after. And I guess that's the thing. Maybe he's not ready to throw back to backs because they had a save opportunity the next day after he got the save and they went back to Robles. But, um, you know, had to have this guy, John Schreiber, uh, you know, taking, taking a leap into high leverage. Um, sounds more like an author than a baseball player, but, um, <laughs> and, you know, they just throw out, you know, Deakman and, uh, you know, all these other guys, but maybe, I don't know. I don't know what they're, what they're going to be able to swing out of barn going, you know, forward, but if they could get him to pitch twice or three times a week, it'll definitely, sure. you know, it'll be, sure. I think it'll reward. I think, I think in the end though, fantasy owners are going to be rewarded for scooping them up this week. I think it's going to end up working out for them. Okay. One, one more player I'll mention. It's yeah, always uh, fun and challenging going after sources of potential sources of, of cheap saves. And so one guy I thought I liked uh, going into this week was uh, Cole Sulcer. So yeah. I had small bids <laughs> on him everywhere. And Rob, Rob's laughing already. I'll, I'll just mention it. I, where, wherever I kind of prioritized him, I got him, except uh, one main event that I'm doing where somebody had the nerve to outbid me for the <laughs> and, uh, and uh, It was Rob. It was like, you gotta be kidding. I can't believe I, I, I got him like unopposed in a whole bunch of places and uh and uh all of a sudden, yeah, lost him four to three to Rob. Uh, I, wound with, I wound up with Bass, who is next on my uh my waterfall for that for that league, but uh you could blame you could blame everyone else for outbidding me on 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 Junis and, and Perez and uh Brubank. <laughs> he was yeah he was sixth on my list uh but oh wow but but still my last guy that i had for more than a buck so i had a bunch of dollar players after him so he was definitely still uh, a guy that um you know i definitely was trying to get um for cheap yeah i mean it should be interesting you know i i don't know 
if he's going to get the role or get all of it. But at this point, I think that, um, I don't know. I, I think what Floro did well last year with the Marlins is that he didn't get the team into a mess, you know, a lot. It wasn't like sexy strikeout stuff, but it was consistent results, um, like non-headaches for Mattingly to think about him like coming out, walking guys and getting a string of hits. And um, I just think Salsa might be that type of pitcher, um, you know, um, like, like, like Flora was, but Flora's also has the chance to turn it around real quick and get back on track. So um, definitely interesting. So many guys in the pen that just so many, you know, decent options that you don't know what they're going to, uh, but but we do know that Matt only likes one guy, you know, so I right. think that's uh, that's the chase. Um, sure. It was worth it. I think any in, in that regards of not chasing a bullpen that like to, you know, rotate. They're known for more, you know, yeah. plug and play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Um, yeah, I wanted to talk about Brendan Donovan. What do you guys think about um, Brendan Donovan so far? Um, he, he's been pretty impressive. He, he got scooped up in. Um, Let's see. Where did I just lost Brendan Donovan? Oh, he got scooped up in in twelve leagues. He was scooped up last week as well. But um, for for some decent amount, um, he went as high as one ninety eight. But most of his other bids were forty, fifty dollar range, thirty dollar range. Um, you guys see something here? You think he can withstand the success he's had so far and 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 carve out a um a role in this in this in this um Cardinal lineup? Um, I'm not sure. He, he was not a guy I was on this weekend. And maybe, maybe I didn't appreciate um, how well he's looked. I, I've, I've seen him. Um, I, I was watching him yesterday and, and he, he looks impressive. Um, I think yeah. my concern, though, is, you know, is he just playing because O'Neill is out? Um, and um, I'm not, like, where does he fit in? If they're going to play Gorbin at second, maybe Edmund long-term at short. Um, I don't know. Um, I know. I suppose if he hits well enough, he'll, they'll find a room for him. Right. Well, yeah, right, right. Yeah, he's, he's played everywhere from short to third to second to short. I guess short when when um, the young first went out, he was uh, he was the guy they they went to the majority of the time over Sosa to start it short. And then, yeah, like you mentioned, uh, Mike, with the injury to O'Neill and Carlson, he hopped out into right field. Um, he's DH'd a couple of times. Um, just interesting. Like you said, maybe he said so well that uh, there's definitely some, some luck coming into play. He's got a 421 BABIP, but <laughs> the OPS is, you know, over a thousand. Um, the, the ground ball, the fly ball is, 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 very he- very heavily favoring the ground ball. So maybe that's where that BABIP comes into. But, you know, he stole a base, um, hit a homer. The the StatCast stuff isn't, like, uh, overwhelming. Um, only right. hit a ball 104.5. He's only got one barrel. Uh, hard hit rate is pretty solid, 41%. But um, a, a, a guy who, who strikes out, who walks more than he strikes out even even in his minor league days um is 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 pretty good who can bounce all around the field um uh-huh. i think uh-huh. he was a guy that didn't was worried about the playing time but uh, you know sometimes i think we just gotta you know put that bit in and, and and just see if it if it evolves into more 
you know, but I yeah. guess the, you know, the, the playing time and the skill not being, there's no overwhelming skill. You know, he, he's not fast. He's not really powerful, but uh, you know, these tweener types sometimes find values, you know, like, yeah. uh, you know, maybe you can evolve into like a Jay Cronenworth or some type of player like that, you know, but um, yeah. so he was a guy that I think sometimes after the fab, I look back and say, you know, uh, what did I miss about this guy? You know, so <laughs> yeah. is, why was everyone into, uh, into him but um well if he if he turns into a thing i definitely missed him um but I, yeah you know but you never know i mean right now he has a role right now carlson and o'neill are hurt and honestly neither one of them was putting up a strong yeah, season before they that's got. true that's true this guy yeah. can keep um, it going they'll find time for him yeah. i'm hoping tyler o'neill doesn't have to become one of my first you know or or early round drops you know uh i'm hoping when he comes back he can turn it on because yeah. he's gonna have to make me i think make a decision earlier than i wanted to about him, <laughs> you know but i hope it doesn't play out that way because also too oh it's, it's like you know he he's like the guy i guess who we thought was last you know coming into last year and just even a little worse but we also know that you know how streaky he can be as well and sometimes yeah. you know that those power speed threats you just need a couple of games to really just get that confidence back yeah. and go on a run where he has four homers and four steals in one week and you're going to be yeah. left wondering maybe the injury was part of what it was bothering him so maybe True. maybe uh, when he's healthy he can produce i right. certainly don't i don't think he was as bad as he showed early that's my opinion Yep. People's, people's uh, perceptions of Trevor story changed in the last week. Yes, that's he's true. Yeah, they, it was like he was terrible and now he's great. Yeah. So, yeah, um, he was another guy that's on your on your RBI list, Todd. Yeah, it's that's like, true. He's he's up there and <laughs> like, he wasn't there last week. <laughs> yeah, I know. He one week is all it took. It's all it took. Yeah, um, absolutely, absolutely. So, so the wow bit of the week was Nolan Gorman. No surprise is the, the 482 bid, a 203 runner up, and just to mention, he was one with three bids over 400. Um, 10 between 300 and 399 and 19 between 200 and 299. So people wow. really ponied up for Mr. Gorman. Um, and I think part of it is he plays a middle infield position, which is uh, if you're having trouble, it's not that easy to find a real quality replacement. Um, you know, if you don't have, if you didn't put early uh, draft capital into that middle infield spot. I guess we have to worry about him too, though, right? If if Carlson and O'Neill work their way back into yeah. full time, I mean, or is he just going to hit and definitely stay around? You know, it's just, I think that that was the, the most deciding factor for me to like lower my bid from like 100 to like 60. I was in the 63 range. And I honestly thought like that I may have had a shot in that range, you know, mm -hmm. but um, I think it was that possible that that possibility still rang in my head about him going back down possibly you know yeah well it could happen i mean he has a high strikeout rate in the minors so yep um which one of these other century bid um did you guys kind of take a look at and say whoa you know maybe this guy's going to be valuable but that's a lot to me is you know it's is is quato honestly uh he's just uh, i i know he he's he's had a solid return but i think 120 bucks for her 
a pitcher like Johnny Cueto is a little, a little too much for my uh, taste. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Also, like, you, you know, it, how secure is his role when Lance Lynn comes back? Um, wow, Lance Lynn. That's a good name to uh, bring up, Mike. I think kind of forgot that he even pitches. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I guess because he's not on any of my teams, I haven't been waiting for him to come back. But that's, uh, that's, that's pretty. Um, I forgot about Lance Lynn. He, when is he due to come back? I haven't even heard anything about him. I think he's like two, three weeks away, supposedly. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, he's wow. quite getting closer. Wow. I was surprised by the Jonathan VR uh, bid over over two hundred and fifty dollars for the mm-hmm. high bid. I oh mean, I, he certainly struggled, and I I'm not saying he doesn't have value. I have him on a couple of teams, but um, I I struggle to see why you'd want to spend two fifty on him. Um, yeah, actually, uh, uh, Mark Winokur and I have him on a shared team. We we drafted him for some uh, a speed boost and to help cover our third base. And um, mm-hmm. honestly, every week we, we debate whether we should drop him or not. Um, right. I mean, he's, he's, he's not performing. He's, he's not running that much. He hasn't been playing all that much. And I think when Nico Horner gets back, um, he's probably going to play less. So I keep waiting for him to kind of show something or, or maybe get released and picked up by someone else who will play mm-hmm. him. You know, he's the type of guy who, you know, he'll probably – get playing time throughout the year and still wind up with 15 to 20 saves, but uh, steals, but it's, it's awfully tough to keep to roster and start these guys yeah, when they're not, not playing enough games. Yeah. Yeah. It, I, I, it definitely, he definitely get extra time now because of the injuries. They were doing some funny stuff with him early in the season with playing two games and having four off and then playing three in a row and then having two off and then playing six in a row and then having two like he just it was really odd i just kind of feel like he's going to be the guy that uh gets dealt you know to the team i don't know because they have Bodie coming back as well magical corner like you mentioned with now christopher morell who plays second short <laughs> third in the outfield so yeah, they have a lot of these, it looks yeah. good too yeah, yeah, yeah he 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 looks good he, he looks really i watched a, a couple of his at bats and he doesn't look like he's in, intimidated at all he's a good solid approach um so it's going to be interesting to see uh what happens with that whole mix up it's just a lot of just too much just just don't mess with Ian Happ playing time. They could do anything, <laughs> but just don't mess with Ian Happ. So, okay. But like even Schwindel, he goes down to AAA, you know, they wasn't playing well. He comes back up and now he's played, you know, like thir- 13 or 14 straight games, I think. So, yeah. um, and he was a popular pickup. Um, but yes, he was. VR was, was scooped up in, in, in six leagues and it were all 66, 68, 77, 79, 85. So, Obviously, there's still some teams out there that are maybe craving that, um, you know, power speed combo. If he, sure, if he, sure. especially if he, uh, the speed, especially the speed, Rob. Yep, yep, especially the speed. But Frank the Tank, like I mentioned, popular pickup this week, playing a bunch of righties, playing in Cincinnati. Um, it was a good, smart uh, play there. And uh, one guy I wanted to, yeah, that's kind of actually uh, forgot to throw in the notes that I wanted to talk about was Brett Phillips of the uh of the rays who who have this obsession with brett phillips mostly because <laughs> last year when everyone was talking about how good badu was um 
you could put up his numbers next to Badu and you would think they're the same player. Um, and I just didn't see the draw of Badu, but the Badu, the ant, the, the Badon't uh, turns into a love for Brett Phillips, but I just love his high energy play. I love who he is as a person too. He does a lot of good stuff for uh, the community and on the field too, but he's played in 10 straight games, right? He's reeling, he's reeling off um, steals, homers. He actually said that, um, which I recommend anyone signing up for the MLB team newsletters. I don't know if you guys know about that on MLB.com. You can go to these, um, you can, I send you the link if you guys don't know about it, but you could Uh sign up for every team um, or any team that you want newsletters. They send it out twice a week into your inbox and it's just the beat beat reporters, you know, uh, just giving a, either a dive into one story or a look at a bunch of things. And sometimes they're not fantasy related at all. Um, right. It can't really help you, but sometimes things pop up in, 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 in the stories that are, are like, Oh, wow, this is interesting. But the one about Brett Phillips said that he actually was talking to his kinesiology um, like person on the team at, and, and she was recommending him um, saw something um, in the, the bio mechanics in in their imaging that he was uh that when he's when he was at the point of contact that his wrist were like way ahead of the barrel and like he you know it was just wasn't making the proper impact on the ball and then he changed changed that tilt he changed that approach and he felt like he was striking the ball a lot harder than he had you know ever before um but he had these run of games um i had this thought in my head like man is, is this happening? But I also knew that Manny Margot was out and was trying to yeah, think right. in my head, you know, is this a factor of this too? Like, uh, you know, he didn't have that playing time every day kind of situation going before at all, especially with the race. But then this is one thing, you know, that I kind of like to do, right? Just go and like, oh, you know, he did get scooped up in a bunch of leagues. All right, let's see. Uh, Japanka. Oh, okay. And then you see, <laughs> oh, 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 Casey Child. Oh, he picked him up too. And then, oh, okay. Another Japanka, another Casey Child. Like, man, maybe I should have picked this fucking guy. <laughs> 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 oh, man. And, and, and Doughboy, that, that's Dan Kenyon, right? Too. Yes. And, yep, yep. Yep. And I was sorry. I see all these names. Pete Christensen, uh, the, uh, um, yeah, I was like, wow, it's all these, you know, really solid players of, you know, are are in on on Brett Phillips. And then I questioned myself. I questioned myself that why did why didn't I believe it? You know, but um, we'll see what happens with him going forward. But that's just my my Brett Phillips rant. But uh, wow. yeah, if anyone is interested in that link and they don't know about it, if you're listening and uh, just hit me up on on Twitter or, or somehow and uh, I'll. I'll guide you to that. It's 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 pretty cool. They've got some good stuff on it. Just more things that we need in our inbox. But. Yeah, right. right. Yeah, I know. <laughs> if you I, guys are interested, I'll just I'll just mention really quickly that uh, I mean Brett Phillips has been playing really well. His teammate is also on a bit of a heater, Kevin Kiermeyer. Who, yes, yeah, that's true. You know, who, who is like on and off of the 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 waiver wire every year, like. 15 times, it seems like. I, I probably can't go through a season without owning him at least a few times. <laughs> he's, having one of his, he's having one of his good weeks, and that's that will clearly end the day after I, I roster him. But um, Yeah, he, he has a couple of good weeks, and he gets dinged up or something yeah. happens, and then they don't play him, and 
So yeah, but it, he, he's he's got the talent, that's for sure. Right, right. Yeah. Kiermaier is uh is is I have him on a lot of draft champions. He was going like low five hundreds, you know. And once you get to the five hundreds and you see a guy who's you know, might put up 10 homers and 10 steals. It's like sure. an easy attack sure. every time. It was him and Michael Taylor in the latest in the later rounds. Uh, I was two outfielders that were I was always trying to get as my eighth, ninth outfielders, you know, like just you know, good playing time. Yep, yep, good playing time and, and a solid skill set and good defense that keeps them in there for the playing yeah. time for sure. But um all right, Todd, take us to the Coliseum. Do you want to go just quickly go over the amount of money that everybody has left? Oh yes, yes, yes. Is, uh, is about four sixty five has been spent by the average main event owner, which is leaves people with a little over five hundred left. So it is dwindling, especially with these Gorman bids. Um, and uh, I do expect it to start. The spending is going to be affected over the next two or three weeks, just to uh, for everybody's. Uh, uh, information because that's where it generally happens at this point of the year um the what coliseum do you got left? What, left what do you got left oh uh, that's a good point I, I think i'm in the 700s on the two mains okay i ask you this every week todd I expect you to be a i know pre- i know a little know. more <laughs> be prepared be prepared come on uh yeah i got 790 and 801 left so i'm that's a lot yeah, it's too much. I'm missing out. No, no, you're fine. You're ready. I heard of you so far. I was saving for- it. I'm. I'll tell him. I'm saving it for Max Meyer. But now that he's hurt, I have to find another guy. Yeah, yeah. There's the Grayson Rodriguez. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the Coliseum, though, uh, the four people that strode into the Coliseum were Travis Demerit, mm-hmm. Josh Winder. Yadio Hernandez and Taylor Walls. They were the top four pickups three weeks ago. And Demerit started out really well, but um, he's, he's gone down the tubes lately, and I'm not sure he's going to get consistent playing time. Um, he only hit 161 after his big pickup and only with one homer. So I, I gave him a loss. Josh Winder looked looked like he was going to be help, really helpful. He did get two wins, and his numbers are pretty good. And then he got hurt. I'm not sure whether he's going to be back, but I think he's somewhere in the middle. I gave that a push. Uh, Yadiel Hernandez was the one best pickup to me. He was hitting 333 over the period with a couple of homers and a steal. And uh, he also had some good counting stats, so I think he was a – Certainly a win for the owners that got him three weeks ago. And then the last guy, Taylor Walls, uh, he's a great defender, and I think he has some playing time going forward, but he just only has five hits over the three weeks, and this just didn't work out very well. So so one win, one push, a couple losses, but the record uh, for anybody that's been following it is pretty good. It's still 40%. Last year, the whole year was 24% for the good pickup. So maybe uh, there's usually one a week that we've been generating, and maybe uh, this week, this year will be better than last year. Okay. And uh, Todd, uh, uh, Mike, what do you think uh, about Josh Winder? Guy got you two wins in 18Ks. But he's on the yeah. IL. Yeah. All right. I know, but that's, yeah, I mean, that's yeah. some good stats yeah. if you got all of them, if you got all of them. 
Yeah, I didn't get any of them. But uh, <laughs> I, I just, I'm, I'm amazed, Todd. I mean, it just seems like uh, as, a, as a group, we, we don't, we don't do that well. I mean, yeah, I these are, you know, uh, you know, some of the strongest, uh, strongest players out there, um, and these are their biggest buys, their highest priority gets, and um, and as a collective group, we don't, we don't do that well on <laughs> well, our bigger buys. Well, the, the only def the defense here would be that it's a 15 team league to start with. So yeah. there's not the talent that's out there to get is not that great. But I do right. agree with you that the fab dollars being uh, given for most of these top four pickups are generally pretty strong. So I think if there's a quibble, it would be over that and not the fact that they're being picked up. Um, but I just don't think the talent in a 15 team competitive league is is available to really consistently get really a lot of help so that should give everyone pause when they say well let me bid 250 yeah. on a guy yeah i mean I, I think one of the things i've noticed over the years is that the fab bidding has gotten so much more aggressive mm -hmm. than what than what i recall i mean you know i and Nolan Gorman, just as a, for instance, I, I'm not knocking him at all. I, I, I put in bids that were over a hundred dollars on him, but I mean, it's, it's a, 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 a pretty good prospect with a very high K rate who comes up and, you know, has like three or four good games. And so like that type of player years ago would have been, you know, I don't know, hundred, hundred fifty dollars that you wouldn't, right. I don't know that you would have seen three to $500 bids on no, him um no. but but in in today's environment i guess if you want him you probably have to right you know be in that range i guess um to get him so it's not a i don't intend it necessarily as a criticism of anyone i just i one of the things i've noticed is i think um uh people are are more apt to spend big and early than um well everyone but rob um to <laughs> To, to do it I, but honestly Rob I think I think you might be the in the uh with the right strategy when the yeah. rest of us are uh yeah begging and, and penny pinching you'll just uh come in with the big old hammer but uh um, yeah, that's right but uh I don't know I just I one of the things I've noticed I think people are 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 much more aggressive in fab and I I, I sometimes regret that I when I whenever I kind of follow suit and maybe I'm over aggressive myself yeah, uh, I just, you know, obviously we want to, you know, get guys that are going to be, you know, through us for more of the year to get more of your bank for your buck. But I just, I've been really, uh, yeah, I haven't been, you know, going for the the high, you know, like the higher splashy guys. Um, last year I only did once with Manoa in our league, but he helped me a lot with the Grom. Um you know, getting hurt and uh, the, sure, sure. yeah, it was, it was definitely, definitely big in getting him, but I wanted to take you guys down a stroll to last year at this time and last year's fab brought it up on my computer. And I just wanted to give you guys some names and some numbers to really get your head spinning. But last year at this time, Keston Hyora was the most bid on player. He was picked up in all 43 of last year's main events week for his highest 341. Whoa. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I remember he came up, right? He came back up. Yeah, sure. It's like the swing is going to be different. His yeah, attack yeah. is going to be different. He fixed you know? it. He fixed it. 
Yeah, we just didn't know he had so much personal stuff going on, which, you know, obviously we don't need to know that. You know, it's not our, you know, we don't have to know those things. But um, it was just uh, interesting to see. How about the second guy? You guys want to get the second name? I give you a clue that he was inside 100 ADP last year for sure, and he was a pitcher. I didn't realize he was dropped in so many leagues and then picked back up. Chris Sale? Nope. No. Mike, you want to take a guess on? I, I, I'm drawing a complete blank. Top top 100 pick, a pitcher who has dropped. Yeah. Back. This year he got off to a late start because of a shoulder injury. Not a cold Clevenger? weather pitcher. Oh, Castillo? Yeah. Castillo. Uh. Yep. Last year, I guess he was yeah. dropped and because I, I – He was horrible, yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, yeah, he was horrible. Um, his stats from uh, – let's see, from from his starts from when he was picked up to drop was eight, uh, 8.5K per nine only, um, 35 earned runs in 42 innings. Oh, man, he was really, really bad. 7.4 ERA. Uh, but he was scooped up in 39 leagues for a max of 315. I thought that was pretty interesting. Then uh, Tyler Rogers um, was picked up in 36 leagues for as much as 300 bucks. Um, just interesting to go back and look at these. You know, he probably was on a good run streak for, you know, saves and uh, everyone went crazy for him. But it's just fun to look back and, 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 and kind of see, uh, you know, some of the names that uh, – we're catching our attention last year, you know? Yeah. yeah. Well, Brady Singer. Oh, Brady Singer was picked up in 15 leagues for as high as 109. It just must be the week these guys come out, you know? Just uh, very it's, interesting. It's, it's the cycle of the moon. <laughs> it is. It is. <laughs> You're right. You're right. I'm going to have to incorporate that into my model. Okay. Well, <laughs> Phil probably already has done that. Oh, yeah. yeah. Phil definitely has done that. <laughs> The color of everyone's eyes. Yeah, right, um, right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. Birthmarks on their cheeks. <laughs> um, a lot of stuff. A lot of stuff goes into it. I probably should have said that. Shit. Sorry, Phil. I'll take it back. I'll take it out. I'll take it out. I'll anyway, take anything the, out of it. The, the standings, the overall standings, uh, Leonard Ringle is the number one player. Tyler Young, who is first last week, is, is was second as of Monday morning this was. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, a lot of fine players. Douglas Gruber has uh, sixth and seventh place yeah. overall. That's pretty impressive. We have Dustin Wagner, Scott Genstad, Rob Silver, Mark Srebo, all in the top 20. Christopher Vaccaro is a very good player that I, I know. He's a great guy. Uh, Clark Olson, who's always up there. Zach Betancourt. Um, so a lot of luminaries. Um, Still early, uh, hard to really draw a conclusion, but uh, these guys are all doing well uh, through the first six weeks or so. So uh, certainly I'd rather be in their position than somewhere else. Yep, that's for sure. <laughs> uh, just I, I did provide also the uh, Leonard's first 10 picks and he, he like uh, Rob, he started with Shohei Otani. Uh, and uh, he, he went with Manny Machado. Machado, uh, Tyler Young's second place team, I remember, also had Machado in the second round. He's been so good that the, player, the players that got him in the second round are really 
really doing well so far this season. Um, but then he also took the two, both rookies, Bobby Witt and Julio Rodriguez. Um, uh, Julio's done, I think, a little better than Bobby Witt, but Witt started to come on lately. So, um, so anyway, that's, uh, that's the standings in terms of the overall. And then um, I did provide an update on Phil Dussault and his, he's avoiding cameraman, if you, as you can see. Um, so uh, we, we don't know exactly what he's up to. And then, um, and then in terms of the league standings, I won't go through them, but uh, a lot of the top players, uh, John Posma, and uh, you know, we have um, Eric Heberlig and Mark Srebo, uh, Clark Olson, you know, all these guys, Vlad Sedler, all these guys, uh, they, some of whom you'd expect are starting to be up near the top. So still very competitive, still early, a lot of changes in the top three positions, but um, it's going to be fascinating to watch as people work their way through the season. I still think, you know, teams in 10th, 11th, and 12th, they're certainly not even out of the league standings at, at all. Right. Absolutely. Still early, still early, still time to yes. make a move. And, and, and good, good thing you mentioned Mark's name. I think we all love Mark. He's a funny guy. But, I mean, if he listens to this pod, he'll know that he's doing well because he doesn't look at the standings. But if you're listening, Mark, now you know that you you got a team in the top 15 in the main event overall. That's so right. That's right. Congratulations. We're, we're breaking news to Mark. I like to bust his balls on, <laughs> on Twitter about it, but he's funny. I love Mark. He's good. <laughs> I had to throw that out there. Anyway. What else you got, Todd? Anything else before we take this home? I think that's it. Go ahead. Awesome. Fantastic. Mike, thank you for joining us. I really appreciate it, man. It's uh, it's good to uh, get together. I think, you know, I think we talk about it a lot. You know, me and Todd is just the best way to, uh, you know, just take the time out and talk about fantasy with, you know, with people who, who enjoy doing what you do. Like you mentioned with your teammates, you know, like you, you get these little joys with talking to people about fantasy all the time and, um, you know, it's uh it's fun and i'm glad you were able to uh come on in and talk with us yeah thank you mike uh, well, well it's been my pleasure guys you guys both make it uh really easy it's just uh just feels like uh talking about fantasy baseball and baseball and you could do that all day and you guys make it easy and uh okay. thanks for what you do okay well, and if you can give mark winnaker a hard time in any way we would appreciate it <laughs> <laughs> i will bench winnaker but yes. Winoker, sorry. <laughs> Winoker? Yes. But I, okay. I, I give Mark a hard time every day. So that's okay. Oh, <laughs> he's got to put up with me. So, okay. <laughs> um, what do you think? Um, Todd, we'll give uh, Mike the would you rathers. Yeah. Yeah. Give, you know, let's see how he handles it. I, I, uh -oh. I, I have some rocky responses, but he might do well. All right. All right, Mike, would you rather spike the punch or Xerox your butt at the next office party? <laughs> would I rather spike the punch? Or Xerox your butt? Um, I would rather spike the punch. Yeah, I think I think <laughs> and, I think you get more it. out of that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's an easy one. That's me. Yeah, yeah. All right. Let's see if we can get a better one out here. Um, I was just picking them out. Um, okay. Uh, would you rather have your face printed on money? or your own small town named in your honor? Oh, boy. Magerville. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll take that. It's a little, um, 
Alyssa, a little bit uh, less out of the public eye. Hopefully, it's a really small town. <laughs> okay. I, I don't need my face on money. That's okay. All right. One more. One more. We're, would you rather have no eyebrows or an extra finger? Um, I think you could paint I, eyebrows I, on, I, right? I think I'll, I think I'll, I think I'll take the extra finger. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll try to find something useful for it. <laughs> I love that. That's a great way to end this podcast. Yeah, for good, sure. good. <laughs> Thanks again, Mike, for joining um, and talking to us. Todd, why don't you tell everyone um, where they could find your work? Remind sure, them where to uh, find this wonderful article. article. Is, yeah, the article is spstreamer.com. It's free. It comes out every Monday, assuming I'm on schedule, and I have been so far this year, so that's good. And then I'm at Telestar7 on Twitter. If anybody wants to uh, reach out, I'm happy to uh, answer any questions or engage with people. Uh, but uh, it was a great to uh, have Mike on the podcast. And uh, Mike's a great player. And uh, I would advise everybody to just avoid him in uh, future leagues. That's usually the best strategy. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Todd. <laughs> Fantastic. Thanks, All right. Thanks, man. Thank you, Mike. Have a good one. Thank you. Bye bye. Thanks for everyone to tuning in to another episode of the Poetry Podcast. Really appreciate all the shouts, all the DMs, all the ratings and reviews. You guys are the best. Um, truly, thanks for listening and uh, making it something I want to do every week. So, hope everyone enjoys it. Hope it's actionable, and um, hope you are doing well in your fantasy leagues. Um, yeah. Most importantly, right? You're not being. That bag of shit.